Hey, happy Father's Day. Hey, um, you know, it's kind of bittersweet. Uh, I lost my dad in November, so it's from the last Father's Day to this day. This Father's Day, you know, uh, it's kind of sad, but um, and he was he was really my number one supporter, and uh, but we always had a good time, and we laughed a lot. And him and I would joke about stuff, and and uh, it would just be a lot of fun. And and I, not not in relation to him, but just in general, I was thinking, you know what? We need to laugh a little bit more. Yeah. We need to have a little bit more fun, but yet be serious. You know, don't take yourself so serious, but yet be serious about the things you need to be serious about. You know, about following after Jesus, following hard after Him. But 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 he, it's okay to have. A little bit of fun, too, right? A little bit of joy. So I'm going to show up to that youth group party. I don't care what they say. <laughs> and I'm going to be there. And you can't make me leave, Bal. <laughs> Let's open our Bibles. John chapter 7, please. John chapter 7. <clears throat> John chapter 7, last week we talked about having a heart to obey. And it is always true that the Lord wants to get to the heart. He wants to get to our hearts. This, you know, we, we live you know, in a world, yes, and, and many times we're very superficial, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. We saw in 1 Samuel, but the Lord looks at the heart. And, and really, it's this heart to do what God wants. And, and Jesus showed us that. And his heart was, not my will, he said to the Father, but your will be done. And that's a, that's a heart thing. And Warren Wearsby said, a willingness to obey is the secret of learning God's truth. The willingness to obey, not, you know, not just to, to hear it, but to do it. The willingness to obey, having a heart... Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want, that's what I want, but I want to do it. Now today, it's kind of, I didn't, I didn't have this plan, but, uh, you know, have you ever heard someone speak and go like, wow, or heard someone sing and go like, wow? I think we just kind of did that. It wasn't planned that way. The Lord works these things out, but, you know... Uh, there are times when that happens, right? I know it's not here, you know. You know, people say to me, you know, and, they, and this is so uh, typical, you know, good message, Pastor. And then you say, well, really? Well, what was it about? Oh, it was good. It was really good. What was it? Can you tell me anything? Well, it was just really good. Yeah, and I just thought, what's that all about? But sometimes you really hear somebody say something. You really hear something you, that, that really impacts you. And God does it here too. I'm just trying to be interesting here. But, but you know, Jesus, I want to say to you today, and what I want to focus on today for these few minutes that we have less, left is this, is that no one ever, no one ever spoke the way that this man does. 
No one ever spoke the way that this man does. Let's pick it up in chapter 7, verse 25. We're going to look at some different verses and and then come back to this thought. Verse 25, at, at that point, some of the people of Jerusalem, they began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he's from. And then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I'm not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him, and they said, When the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Then jump down to verse 45. Finally, the temple guards that we just read about, they went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? We sent you to do a job. Why didn't you bring him in? And this is their answer. Look what they said in verse 46. No one ever spoke the way this man does. No one ever spoke the way this man does. Now, they'd been around and they'd heard a lot of different people speaking. They'd they'd heard a lot of different things. But they said no one ever spoke the way this man does. There was something about Jesus. The way he spoke, maybe, the things that he spoke, how he spoke them, how he said it. And I, and I you know, when I saw that verse, it, it, it totally, you know, it, it encapsulates, really, it, it puts it together. This guy, Jesus, this man, Jesus, is there anyone like him in all of the history of humanity? Is there anyone that speaks like him? Any speaker that you know, any teacher that you know. Now, this is the testimony of those temple guards. They were sent to arrest Jesus, to put him in jail, to to stop him. They were jealous, the Jews, the Pharisees. we got to stop this guy. So the guys that they sent to arrest him, they they went and listened to him, and they they just couldn't do it. They couldn't lift a hand. They couldn't. They were blown away by... Jesus and him speaking. Look back in, uh, in uh, verse 14. These are the Jews, even the guys that had sent him, some of them anyways. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. And the Jews were amazed and they asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? And Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. And it comes from him who sent me. They were amazed. They were, they were astounded at him. Even they were. They were still wanting to lock him up. They were still wanting to get rid of him. But, but even they were amazed at the way that he taught, the things that he said. You know, 
he, he never went to our schools. He's, he doesn't have the degrees that we would approve. He didn't have the formal training, but, but, but like the guards that they sent later, no one ever spoke the way that this man does. Literally, the, the translation says, never spoke thus a man. Never spoke thus a man. A man never spoke. So it, it, it almost brings out this idea that this is more than a man. This isn't just a man. There's never a man that could speak like this, never a man that, that would speak the kinds of things that he said. And, and I think that, that that comes out so clearly. And he said it there in verses 14 through 16. He said, my teaching's not my own. He wasn't just a man who, who came on the scene and says, I've got some new things I want to teach you about. But there was something radical, something that was beyond just a human. In the Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> which is, uh, is one of the most incredible uh, teachings, lessons, whatever you want to call it, in all of human history, really. The Sermon on the Mount. And, and can anybody tell me where the Sermon on the Mount is found? Matthew, right? Matthew, what chapter? Chapters. Five through seven. Matthew chapter five through seven. You should go and read it. There is so much incredible stuff there, stuff that has impacted our society. You know the golden rule is found in the Sermon on the Mount? You didn't know that. Well, you thought that this is the golden rule. Everybody knows that. It came from Jesus. But it said when, when Jesus had finished his teaching or, or saying these things in, at the end of Matthew chapter 7, it says the crowds, they were amazed at his teaching because he taught one... At, as one who had authority, and not as the teachers or their teachers of the law. He had authority. There was something about the words that he said that had authority. There were plenty of other teachers around, but this guy had authority. Where did he get that authority? He got it from the Father, didn't he? He had authority because of who he was himself. When Jesus came on the scene in, in Luke chapter 4, he went to a synagogue, right? And it says he, he, he was asked to, to speak, and he, he, found, he got the scroll, and he found the place in Isaiah, and he read it. And, and then he, it says he rolled up the scroll, and he, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And everybody was looking at him. Their eyes were fastened on him. And he, be, and he began by saying this. He said, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And it was about Messiah. Messiah coming to the earth. But interesting, it said after that, he says, all spoke well of him and they were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? He had grace. He had authority, we see in Matthew chapter 7. Here in Luke chapter 4, he had grace. He spoke with grace. They were amazed, like, this isn't just a normal human. This is Joseph's son. We know who this guy is. No man ever spoke like this. Back in John chapter 7, verse 26, we saw it said there that he was speaking publicly. And, and it, it, it means literally he was speaking boldly. He had, he had no fear. 
He had confidence. He had freedom. He spoke openly. And look what it says there. They, they couldn't stop him. Here he is speaking publicly, and they're not saying a word to him. They couldn't do anything. The power with which he spoke the words that he spoke. This is the guy, Jesus, that we're talking about, who we worship, who we adore, who we follow after. Jesus said, follow after me. Why would we? Because of who he is. Is he the Christ, they say? But we know where this man is from. We saw it earlier. We saw it in Luke chapter 4. We see it again here in, in verse 27. We know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one, no one will know where he is from. Now, there was this idea, there was really kind of two camps, really, about, about Messiah. Where the Messiah would come from. Now, the one was, was this, that he would kind of mysteriously just show up. Just all of a sudden, mysteriously, he would show up and... and and some, you know, held to that. And that's why they said it here, like, we, when Messiah comes, we're not going to know where he comes from, but this guy, we know he came from where? From Nazareth. Or so they thought. Now, the other camp, and we'll see it a little bit later here, was that he would come from where? From Bethlehem, because Micah the prophet says that out of Bethlehem would come one, which would be the Messiah. Look at verses 28 and 29. It says, Then Jesus still teaching in the temple courts. Again, this is what the temple guards saw. These verses we're looking at. They saw it and they said, No one ever spoke the way this man does. He's still teaching now in the temple courts and he, and he cries out, Yes, you know me. And you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him. But I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. So yes, you know where I'm from. You know me. They knew and they believed that he was from Nazareth. Now, he was from Nazareth, right? That's where he grew up. But he really wasn't born in Nazareth, right? We know, and you can read all the rest of the accounts, is, is that, that he was born in Bethlehem. Why? Because David... Those that were from the line of David would have to go back to where they're from to register in the census. And so Joseph and Mary, they went back to Bethlehem and he was born there. Later in chapter 8, it's interesting, Jesus says to, to some folks, he says, you have no idea where I come from. So there's a sense that, yeah, we know where Jesus is from. He's from Nazareth. But there's also a sense where you, you have no idea where I'm from. And, he, and he's speaking about it here in these verses. He says, I, I am, I'm not here on my own. I am from him and he sent me. Why, did they, why were they blown away by this man? They didn't understand totally, but it was because where he was from. He wasn't just a man born in what they thought, Nazareth. He wasn't just a man born in Bethlehem as we know, but he was from heaven. He was a man from heaven. I want you to turn back with me to John chapter 1 because it's, it's the foundation of, of this study, this book, and, and the things that Jesus was teaching and, and, and why, 
Why, when they heard him, they said, you know, over and over, and these, even those that hated him, they were amazed at this guy and, and the way he spoke and what he said. They were, they were blown away. Look at John 1.1. 1, 1. It says this, in the beginning was what? The Word. And look what it says, and the Word was with God. And what? And the Word was God. You got to think about stuff like that. He was with God and he was God at the same time. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Creation. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He was the agent, the one of creation. Verse 4, in him was life. And that light was the light of men. This is the Logos, the Word. He was with God. He was God. He was with God in the beginning. He was there at creation. Through Him, all things were made. And then jump down to verse 14, chapter 1. Just so you're clear, John tells us, just so you're clear what happened here, this one that we're writing about, the one we're talking about here, the Word, the one we just read about in verse 1, what? Became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. Jesus came and He, he became flesh. He was with the Father from all eternity he was equal with the Father in all respects, and yet he came to earth. This is the guy who, who now these temple guards are listening to in John chapter 7. If he was standing here today, uh, you know, speaking, and, and, and he didn't necessarily mean that he was always speaking in a loud voice, though we see here there were times where he spoke loudly, he cries out. Other, other times, I think the Sermon on the Mount, for the most part, was, was spoken in, a, in a, a kind of a normal voice. We kind of think that, you know, for somebody to say something, that, you know, they got to be shouting. they got to be really hammering and very gesticulating. You like that word? Really moving all over the place, running around and doing all kinds of stuff. And, and then, wow, that was really something. I don't think Jesus had to do that. We have to do that sometimes just because we, you know, we really don't, we're really not all that impressive. So we've got to add all this other, this other stuff to kind of like just, you know, get a little attention or whatever. But Jesus, when he spoke, he just spoke. There was power. I mean, there was power coming out of the words that he would say. The things that he had to say. Incredible stuff. Back to John chapter 7, verse 33. Jesus said, I'm with you for only a short time. And then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Jesus said some pretty intriguing stuff. And now he says, you know, I'm only here for a short time. Now, at this point in time, he's, he's kind of coming to the end of his, of his ministry. And it's really like six months more before he would go to the cross. He knew what was going to happen. He knew exactly what would happen. 
and then the resurrection, and then what would happen after that? He would ascend right into heaven to be back where he, where he came from. That's what he said here. I go to the one who sent me. You'll look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. That's an interesting thing. He says, you're not going to be able to go there, he said. You're not going to go there. You can't come. I don't like that. So why did he say that? Again, he's telling people you can't come. And why did he say that? And I think he was really speaking to those who just flat out rejected him. You're not going to be able to go. But when you think about, we're going to read it later, you know, we're in chapter 7. I'm talking chapter 14. I don't know how long it's going to take till we get to chapter 14. It'll be a little while. I can promise you this, it's not next week. (laughs) But John chapter 14, he says, you know, I'm going to go away. But I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know the passage, it's it's very well known. I'm going to go and and prepare a place for you and and I'm going to come back. And I'm going to take you to be with me where I am. So here in chapter 7, he's saying to certain folks, you, you can't, where I'm going, you can't come. And then in chapter 14, he's saying, contrast, I'm going to come and take you to be where I am, because I want you to be there. But then a, a couple of verses later, he says this. Jesus said that he, what? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What? And no one comes to the Father but through me. He said that. So apart from him, we have no chance of getting there. But with him, as the way, the truth, and the life, we're gonna, we can go. But there's no way to get there apart from Jesus. I don't care what any teachers in this world say. I don't care what any philosophers say, any spiritual gurus say. Jesus said it. There's no other way to get there but apart from Jesus Christ. Why? Because no one else has the payment for the sin that you and I all have. The cross is the only way. And the resurrection. Verse 37, on the the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, again, here we speak, he's speaking in a loud voice here, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He could actually meet our need. I'm going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, so I'm not going to go in in depth on this one. But this is something that he said. He would say these kinds of things. If anyone is thirsty, if you're thirsty, he said, come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. I I did a a study recently just for my, my own benefit, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Anybody know what those words say, those verses say? Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Anybody? I'll give you a clue. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. He goes on to to talk about that. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm meek and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said those kinds of things. He said, come to me. He says it here. You're thirsty, come to me. 
And I will have the answer for you. I will be able to give it to you. No man, no human being is going to be able to meet that thirst that you and I have deep within us. I told you I'm not going to go into that, so I'm going to, we're going to move on. Let's, let's jump down to verse 40. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. And others said he is the Christ. And still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. There was this thing happening. Those that heard him, it says that the people were divided. They, they, they fell on one side or the other. They, they either kind of saw that he was, that he really, there was something about him. Some thought he was the prophet, and, and Deuteronomy chapter 18 talks about the prophet. Maybe some would think that he was a prophet. He was like, he, he's, pretty, he's a pretty heavy dude. He's got some pretty crazy stuff and interesting stuff. Some said, we think he's the Christ. Now, they didn't, they didn't just say something like that lightly, but to say someone is the Christ, that's the Messiah. That's the, the, the term for Messiah. The word Christ and Messiah are the same. Messiah is the Hebrew word, and Christ is the Greek word. They both mean the same thing. And they mean, anybody know what the word is, what, what it means, literally? Anybody know? a lot of questions for you today. It means the anointed one. The anointed one. The one who was anointed, who had the answer, who would be there, who actually could meet our need. The anointed one, he's the Christ. Someone think, someone, some of them said, they, others said this, he is the Christ, he is the, the Messiah, he is the one that we've been waiting for. And others said, that's not even possible. Christ can't come from Galilee. Nazareth was in Galilee. The scripture says, and they're speaking about Micah chapter 5, the scripture said he's going to come from Bethlehem. But they knew him as the one from, from, from Nazareth. But we've already talked about that. He was really from Bethlehem. But people were divided. They were divided. There's something about Jesus, you know, that you're either like for him or you just like don't want anything to do with him. You know, I mentioned to you, you know, even within our own families, there are some that, that, you know, hey, they're all for it. They're all for Jesus. And others say, you know, you're like weird now. You're, you know, this Jesus thing is weird. You've gone too far. You know, you've taken it too far. But Jesus, in Matthew 10, he, he said that this is, this, is, this is what's going to happen. He said, do not suppose I've come to bring, bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. And he goes on to talk about that division that would take even within families. Back to verse 45 and 46. We'll wrap this up. Finally, the temple, the temple guards, we read it, they went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? 
you know, it took courage for them to disobey those orders because the, the consequences for disobeying orders would be heavy. You know, they could have made excuses and they could have said, you know, uh, well, you know, it, it just wasn't a good time for us to do that because if we had tried to bring him in, it probably would have created a riot. Then the Roman, you know, guards, you know, the Roman legion, all the soldiers, they would have come in. It just really wasn't a good time. Did they say any of that? Did they make any excuses at all? No, they said no one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declare. Never. Never have we heard anybody like this. Warren Wiersbe again, he said his word, the word of Jesus, it, it gripped their hearts. They, they couldn't do anything. It, it got a hold of them. We saw it back in the last chapter, didn't we, where, where Jesus, and, and I like repeating these words because they're so powerful. Simon Peter answered, Jesus said, are you going to go away too? And what did he say? He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, you only have the words of eternal life. Where, where are we going to go? Who else are you going to go to? Buddha, Muhammad, Krishna? Where are you going to go to find the words, the true words of eternal life? Jesus is the only one, the only way, the only guy. I like, I like this in Matthew chapter 17. It, it, it was the, the, the transfiguration, you know, the transfiguration where Jesus went up to a high mountain. He took three of his disciples, and it, it says he was transformed. He was transfigured before them. He, it just like it was incredible. Like he, Really, what it was, they, they were able to see for a short time the glory of who Jesus was, the glory of God. And, and so, <clears throat> but, but listen to these, verse, the, these words. It says in Matthew 17, 5, it says, While he was still speaking... A bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. And he said these words, The Father said about the Son, the Father spoke from heaven. He said, Listen to him. Listen to him, the Father said. I want to close, if you'll turn back to Luke chapter 11, just back one book. Luke chapter 11, we're going to close with an account in verses 38 through 42. And that is not the right passage. Let's see. Luke... Uh, chapter 10, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 10. I just wrote it down wrong. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. I love this too. This is one of my favorite passages. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened... Martha, if you're from around here. <laughs> opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. No one ever spoke the way this man did or does. 
She sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to do the work all by myself. Tell her to help me. It's like Jesus' brothers giving counsel, telling Jesus what to do. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Don't you love that? Like, like I said, Jesus it gets divided, and I think Martha did care a lot about Jesus, but, but she was kind of falling on the wrong side. She was like so distracted, so wrapped up in the things of this world and what needed to be done that she's missing out. Can that happen to you and I as well? No one ever spoke like this man does, and we, we, we even believe that. We even know that we've been affected by it, but yet we don't take any time to listen to what he has to say. That's, that's just life, right? The busyness of life. Martha's there. She's like so wrapped up. But Mary. Now those, those things needed to be done, yeah, all in their time, and, and they'll get done. But Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That's powerful stuff. Never thus spoke a man. We need to be careful, I think, that we're not so distracted by the world, distracted by everything around us, that we, we're missing out what the Lord has to say to us personally. What is God, what is, what is Jesus saying to you and to me? Does he still speak today? Absolutely does. To you and to me. If we'll take the time and listen, are we going to take that time? Do we have that time in our lives, our daily lives, where we'll sit at the Lord's feet and listen to what he has to say? Are we just too busy, too distracted, too many things going on? No one ever spoke. No one ever had the things to say. The man, Jesus, like the man Jesus did. He spoke about life. He spoke about, about heaven, about hell. He spoke about eternal life. But he spoke about so many other things, didn't he? He speaks today. He speaks to you in, in our lives. Sometimes we have stuff going on that we're so overwhelmed with. Maybe that's why I study Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. I, I challenge you to go back and read that. See what he says. But, but we're so challenged by all this stuff and we never stop and we never come to him with all those, those things that are making us weary and burdened, all those cares of this life and this world. We're not laying our cares at his feet. And so we're, you know, we're about the, at the end of our rope. He says, come to me. Come to me. Come and listen to what I have to say. Let's pray together, shall we? <clears throat> our gracious heavenly father we thank you for your son jesus who you sent you allowed him to come 
You sent him here to be with us. Here. On this earth, this planet we call earth. But there was never a man that spoke like him. And it's still true today. There, there's no man, there's no, there's no speaker, there's no singer, there's no television program, website, blog. There's no one that can speak like you, Jesus. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Father, we come and we just want to take a moment just to stop and say, wow, Jesus, wow, Jesus has everything that we need. Maybe something's going on in your life today, and, and I know we all have stuff. need to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus and, and listen to what he has to say. Maybe stop talking a little bit and start listening. We all need it. He says, come to me. I'll give you rest. My yoke's easy. My burden's light. Come to me and listen. Maybe some of you here today, you've never come at all. This is, this is all new. This is all foreign. You don't have it in your life. You don't have it in your heart. You can, you can simply come to him. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And all you do is believe and trust in him. And you can do that right now. I'm going to give you that opportunity to pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I, I come to you. And I invite you in to my heart and to my life. I'm lost without you. Rescue me today. I need you. And Father, I want to finish and close with this thought as we, as we sing. What a good, good Father you are to us. You have been a father to me when I had no father for so, so long. And there's no father like you. I had a good stepfather, but you are the ultimate father, father in heaven that's always there for us. And I want to say thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand and, stand and sing together what a good, good, good father he is.